Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Rena Gashow, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We've got a lot to cover this edition, so let's jump right in. And we start with False Claims Act. On January 14th, DOJ announced that it recovered over $2 billion in settlements and judgments from civil cases involving fraud and false claims against the government in FY 2020. DOJ secured significant settlements with major federal contractors in procurement fraud matters and for failure to comply with contract requirements for goods and services. DOJ made specific note of recoveries related to contractors' inflated labor hours, billing for unworked hours, bribery to steer government contracts, and false certifications and representations to the government. DOJ further reported that several of the settlements in FY20 noted that there was individual culpability, particularly at the senior executive or owner level, and that they had to pay a portion of the settlement individually. We're expecting a notable uptick in enforcement under the Biden administration, particularly as it relates to False Claims Act and procurement fraud. Rena, over to you. Thank you, Peter. Now turning to a COVID-19 vaccine update. On January 7, 2021, DOD issued a memorandum for the Defense Industrial Base, the DIB, regarding the DOD COVID-19 vaccine allocation and distribution policy. The memorandum, along with other guidance, identify which DOD contractor employees are eligible to be vaccinated through the DOD-provided vaccination system. Two groups of DOD contractor employees are eligible for such vaccinations. First, employees of DOD contractors directly supporting the DOD on DOD installations or in an operational environment in accordance with the DOD COVID-19 vaccine population schema in terms of the applicable contracts are eligible to be vaccinated. This schema is attached to the memo. Second, the military departments or the Office of the Secretary of Defense Components may request on a case-by-case basis that additional DOD contractors providing mission essential critical capabilities be eligible and must make such a request through the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs. Such employees may be vaccinated in phases 1A or 1B as outlined in the schema. Now, according to informal DOD guidance, DOD-provided vaccinations will be specifically offered to contractor employees that work in a SCIF, a sensitive compartmented information facility, and or those that provide in-person direct support alongside DOD personnel. Because only a subset of DOD contractors is eligible for DOD-provided vaccinations, the memo notes that the broader DIB may need to rely on state vaccination plans. Given this, the COVID-19 task force is working with the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which in turn are coordinating with state public health officials to advocate for the inclusion of the DIB on a priority basis within state jurisdiction-level vaccination plans. Additionally, the memo states that DOD will continue to evaluate personnel eligibility and prioritization to include other contract personnel where it is necessary to ensure continuity of its national security mission. Turning to a rule on lowest price technically acceptable, also known as LPTA. On January 14, 2021, the FAR Council issued a final rule amending the FAR to implement Section 880 of the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, for fiscal year 2019, which sets forth criteria for and limitations on the use of the lowest price technically acceptable source selection criteria in solicitations. 
the rule does not apply to DOD and federal supply schedule program contracts. The final rule was issued without any substantive changes in response to public comments to the proposed rule and identifies six criteria that agencies must meet in order to use the LPTA source selection method. First, an executive agency is able to clearly describe the minimum requirements expressed in terms of performance objectives, measures, and standards that will be used to determine acceptability of offers. Second, the executive agency would realize no or minimal value from a contract proposal exceeding the minimum technical or performance requirements set forth in the request for proposal. Third, the proposed technical approaches will require no or minimal subjective judgment by the source selection authority as to the desirability of one offeror's proposal versus a competing proposal. Fourth, the executive agency has a high degree of confidence that a review of technical proposals of offerors other than the lowest bidder would not result in the identification of factors that could provide value or benefit to the executive agency. Fifth, the contracting officer has included a justification for the use of an LPTA evaluation methodology in the contract file. And last, the executive agency has determined that the lowest price reflects total costs, including for operations and support. Back to you, Peter. Great, thanks, Rena. So we're gonna talk about a supply chain item next. On January 19th, Department of Commerce published an interim rule to implement an executive order that basically authorizes blocking or undoing of any transaction, including use, purchase, importation of virtually any information and communications technology or services that were designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by persons owned, controlled, or subject to the jurisdiction or direction of a foreign adversary. It's a really complicated rule, a lot to digest, but a couple of highlights. Number one, it clarifies that it only applies to transactions occurring after the effective date, which is March 22nd, 2021, but it cautions that any services received on or after the effective date would be considered covered transactions. The interim rule provides a lot of detail about who's considered foreign adversaries, most significantly, it includes China, Russia. It also talks about a specific description of the scope of these transactions, but it's still very broad and requires an in-depth review, a clarification that commerce will not separately review these transactions where the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. or CFIUS is actively reviewing it. But there's a lot here and a lot to digest. Finally, we want to talk briefly about some of the actions that President Biden has taken in his first two days in office. He's issued more than two dozen executive orders. He's also released a lengthy document outlining national strategy for addressing COVID-19. A lot to look at, a lot to think about, and a lot of interest to contractors. We'll be issuing alerts and webinars, doing a deeper dive, but just want to highlight a few things. First, an executive order on protecting federal workforce and requiring mask wearing. And among other provisions, there is a new masking mandate effective immediately for on-duty, on-site federal employees, on-site federal contractors, and other individuals in federal buildings and on federal lands. Second is an executive order that revokes Executive Order 13950, one we've talked about a lot. That was the executive order issued by former President Trump in September of 2020, limiting workplace diversity and inclusion training. That order was already suspended through a nationwide injunction because of a court order, but now that executive order has been revoked in full. 
Third, an executive order focused on ethics in government and expansion of laws and regulations for conflicts of interest and post-government employment for political appointees of the Biden administration. Fourth is an executive order that directs OSHA to issue updated guidance on COVID-19 worker protections. It also directs OSHA to consider whether there need to be emergency temporary standards. And finally, there's a real focus in that executive order on heightened enforcement and on looking at potential violations where the largest number of workers are put at serious risk. We're expecting a dramatic uptick in OSHA activity. And finally, a theme running throughout the national COVID plan that was just released yesterday and one of the executive orders is invocation and focus on Defense Production Act. The president has already issued one executive order. It's known as Sustainable Public Health Supply Chain, which directs agencies to fill supply shortages using, quote unquote, all available legal authorities, including the Defense Production Act, close quote. The United States government has identified about 12 immediate shortfalls. These include things like PCR sample swabs, pipettes, laboratory machinery, masking type equipment, N95 in particular, needles, syringes, and all necessary equipment for acceleration of manufactured delivery and administration of vaccinations. So a lot going on. We'll be watching all of it. We thank you for joining us today. And with that, we'll close it out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807. Rena can be reached at 202-624-2827. Thanks for joining us. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. podcast.